Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. It's been a minute for me because I was battling COVID. The Tigers did put up over 460 yards of total offense. This was a tremendous football weekend, by the way. That offense looked totally lost and incompetent. What successful NFL offense would have Rex Burkhead touch the ball 20 times during the course of a game? We ain't missing no Tyree Hill. And I'm going to love your blue, you stone. But half of me wanted to cut block his ass for all them hits on Dan Pastorino. And Earl Campbell. The great wall of China fell. The Ming Dynasty fell. Eventually, the Patriots don't fall. You can't trust them. Hey, get me off the bench, coach. Put me in the game. <laughs> you know about that evolution. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. Oh! Ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are aboard for this edition. We hope to have a whole lot of fun this time out. And if this is your first time hanging out with us, welcome aboard. And we hope to become a part of your podcast menu. If you are one of those who listen to every episode, who shares, who likes, who comments, we certainly appreciate that. Who calls the sports line, thank you so much. And welcome back. Thank you. We do this for you guys, for everybody but especially for the ones who tune in to each and every episode. Well, this time out, first of all, I'm getting my strength back. My voice is getting a little bit stronger. I'm not there yet. I'm at 90%, not 100%, maybe maybe 85. You know, if I if I think about it, the number will go lower and lower. But nonetheless, getting stronger, getting better from COVID, and so I will be pumping out more stuff. And also, I've been traveling every weekend with the Texas Southern Tiger football team, so that has kept me really, really busy and untimely as it pertains to this podcast. So thank you for bearing with me. We certainly appreciate it. The long break when I was sick, it was just, ah. But we're rolling now, and this time out, we have some great stuff coming up for you, and I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. But I do want to tell you ways that you can be interactive. The first way is by calling the sports line 24 hours a day. I want your predictions. I want your takes. I want your comments on the Miami Dolphins or the Baltimore Ravens or the Dallas Cowboys or the Cincinnati Bengals or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Whatever you want to talk about, we want to hear those comments. Or baseball or Aaron Judge. We're not talking about Aaron Judge. We're talking about the Astros, but we'll talk more about the Astros in just a minute. But whatever you want to talk about on the sports line, 832 832- 941-6614-832-941-6614. 24 hours a day you can call. I'm not answering, but you can leave a message and your comments may end up on the very next episode. Also, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook. You can join that. It's really interactive. Stuff is posted every day by somebody. Me, sometimes. Others, other times. And it can be you if you join the group. If you want to brag on your team. If you want to post, um, let's see. Let me think of a team. The Detroit Lions. If you want to post Detroit Lions news on the page, you certainly can. Or, or smack talk about the Detroit Lions. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. 
it's there for that. And you can also like the fan page. So also on Twitter, you can follow me at Wade's Word. I will probably be getting new Twitter handles and all of that stuff here real soon to make things a little bit simpler for all of you guys. So this time out, we have Life on Lock. She's back with Sports E. We have some headlines for you guys. So we're going to get into some of the stuff that I want to comment on in the headlines around the world of sports. In addition to that, our guy Reggie Brown checks in with a You Can't Trust Him segment. And we also get his thoughts on some other NFL stuff. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, is in the building. Our wonderful sponsors are aboard. And we have on the Mono Award for the Big Dummy of the episode. So with all that being said, let's get started with some headlines. In headlines, there are so many things that I could start with. I mean, NFL, NBA, these are the days you wish that you had. I was on every day. I wish I was on every day. I have something to say every day. Unfortunately, I'm so busy. I can't come to you guys every day unless we make a way to let that happen. So, hey, by popular demand, we can make that happen. But so many things and so many directions I can go in, but I'm going to start with the Houston Astros. They have clinched their division, won another division, and it's so easy to take it for granted, but I don't want Houston to turn into Atlanta of the late 90s with the Braves, where, you know, every year they were so accustomed to winning that it was all about, we won't ramp up, we won't get excited until we are in the championship series. And then the World Series. So, like, the, the Divisional Series, you know, we don't we don't even care about that. We, we, won't, we won't concern ourselves with that. We won't even sell out the arena. I think the Astros are going to sell out, no doubt. But you want that excitement and the, the accomplishment to not be taken for granted by the Houston Astros. Again, they win a division. I mean, just tremendous players, tremendous pitching. Verlander is back looking great. McCullers is looking great. Framba Valdez is looking amazing. I think Verlander might end up getting the Cy Young, but I tell you, Valdez will get some votes as well. So a lot going on. Excited for them. They're a few games away from clinching the home field advantage throughout the Yankees, who was supposed to be the best team. And even on this podcast, we debated well, who's going to have the best record? Because they tried to make these Yankees look like the 1927 Yankees, and they're not, as evidenced by their collapse here in the second half of the season. I mean, they're still rolling, and they're getting a little bit better. But of all the teams in the AL, I want to face the Yankees first. If I had one team to say, okay, this is who we want to play, we want to play the Yankees. I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of the Astros, which I have no affiliation other than when we win championships, it becomes a we and not a they. When they lose, they lost. When they win World Series, it's a we. And since 2017, when I talk about the Astros, usually I'll go with we. So, and we continue to win. So it's we. So I want to shout out to the Houston Astros. Please don't take them for granted. We have some time before the playoffs, and the NL is just crazy. It's bananas over there. But I'm paying attention to two teams. And, and maybe I should be looking at more, but two teams. I'm looking at the Astros and the Yankees. Aaron Judge, he'll get the 61, it looks like. And that's cool, and that's Really, really a massive accomplishment, especially if he's clean. And, and I'm not saying that he's not, but there's no question about him being tarnished by performance-enhancing drugs. 
I mean, he's just a big dude with a big bat, and he's balling out, and he's going to get super ginormously paid at the end of this season. So there's that. Let's talk about Ime Udoka, the, I guess, head coach of the Boston Celtics. I don't know, is he? I don't, is he not? Will he be? Won't he be? So if you don't know, this is sort of breaking sort of as I do this. So the Boston Celtics suspend head coach Ime Udoka for the entire season. For what initially was reported as a consensual relationship with somebody on the staff. Consensual. Now, they have since said a relationship. So, they have not fired him, but they have said that he has violated policies and thus will be suspended for the year and be fined a significant portion of his salary. So, there's so many angles to this and there's some uncomfortable stuff in here as well. Let's start with the word consensual. Okay, so you're going to suspend him. So so if it's sexual harassment, he should be fired, right? So so if he preyed on a subordinate who felt like she had to consent to having some sort of relationship. And, and they didn't say an encounter. They said a relationship. So, you know, I'm really big on semantics and, and what words you use and how you use them. And again, I don't know if all of these are Boston references or just reported in that way. But it says a relationship. And initially it said a consensual relationship. Now they're saying a relationship. And they didn't say an encounter. So if he committed sexual harassment, I mean, obviously they consummated this situation, he should be fired, right? So why wouldn't you fire him if that was the case? So so it's not that. So so it's not egregious enough to fire him because it's sexual harassment. But it was consensual. So if it's consensual, why suspend him for a whole year? And you're not seeing much. It's a lot of ugly aspects of this. And it'll be really like, okay, so the story leaked and people went all over Twitter saying who it was, what female in the Boston Celtics organization sort of hung out and kicked it with Udoka. Now, I mean, that was really unfair. And that's not cool at all because you have some innocent women out there that are being accused of being in a relationship with the head coach. So that's not cool. But the other part of that is when you talk about this situation, the way they made it sound, I mean, he they, they came short of making him sound like some sort of predator. But if this was a consensual situation, you only suspend him because, and this is a brilliant move if, if you're the Boston Celtics. This is how you cover all of your bases. So if you want to get rid of bad PR, you suspend him, but you don't fire him. So you don't have to worry about litigation from him. Because he can't sue you for wrongful termination. So that'll keep your name out of the headlines on his side. And if there is more to be found or if there are other people who had relationships with him within the organization, then you can come back and fire him. And says, well, after further investigation, we realize that this is a sexual deviant. He's the, uh, the uh, R. Kelly of the NBA and he has to go. So they covered all of their bases. So on one hand, you don't have to worry about litigation from the woman, and you don't have to worry about wrongful termination from Udoka. So it's a tough one because if it's consensual, it's consensual. By the way, and this is a sports eat thing, so his girlfriend is or was actress Nia Long. Yeah, that Nia Long. And what stuck out to me is with all of these leaks coming out, there was a moment, and again, 
it's amusing. It's not necessarily funny because these are people, this is real life for these people. But he had to know that, okay, it came out. Okay, the, the owners know. The front office knows about this. They're not happy about it. There's an investigation. And in the meantime, you're in this relationship, seemingly happy relationship. And there's a day that comes when you know that this is my last happy day. Because tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to have to have this conversation. So, again, it's amusing, not funny, but there's so many things about it. Now, the racial component will be interesting to find out. If the, is this interracial? You are in one of the most racist places in, in the NBA. I mean, I don't think that I'm being unfair when I say that. I think it's well documented how they treated Bill Russell and how they've treated other black athletes in Boston. And Boston is a tremendously segregated town. And you hear nothing but negative things about how racist Boston is. So I don't think it's it's a big secret here. And I'm not making this up. Now, I don't know. I've not been to Boston. I, I don't feel like it's an inviting place based on what other African-Americans say about Boston. Other than New Edition, who came out of there. So we got a little N.E. You know, on anything, new edition. But other than that, you know that this is a not a welcoming place all the time for minorities. And you say that saying, well, it has been a place that's been groundbreaking when it comes to minorities. When you talk about Bill Russell being head coach. But you think about on the Boston Red Sox side, uh, Jim Rice and others have caught hell. I mean, so many have caught hell. And it's been well documented. But if this is interracial, would he be treated like this? If it wasn't. Now, if it's not interracial, again, you're talking about an African-American coach. It plays to some of the tropes and some of the stereotypes that are very uncomfortable. So, you know, there's that thing. So we'll have to see as more comes out. Now, if this is purely just a, a proximity thing where, you know what? Hey, she was there. She was around. We kicked it. We got to know each other. And boom, this this blossom, this relationship blossomed out of that. I think that they need to go out of their way to make sure he's not characterized as some sort of predator, somebody preying on a subordinate. And if they don't do that, then I put the onus on the Boston Celtics. But again, they're saying consensual. And if it's not consensual, it's sexual harassment, and he needs to be fired. So I just don't understand, like, you know, you want to cover all of your bases, which, again, is a brilliant move but ultimately, that's not fair to him. And if I'm him, if you feel like, if you truly feel like you're clean, you took your team to the NBA Finals in your first year, you clearly know what you're doing. You clearly can coach in this league. I'm not going to wait because they have not promised that he'll be back. But I'm not going to sit here and wait for a year to see if they're going to bring me back. Either I need assurances that I'm going to be brought back or just fire me. Or let me leave because I, if if he's not the deviant, he will get a job in the NBA quick, fast, and in a hurry. So there's that. So that's going on. We'll follow that. Give me your comments on that. 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. lot going on there. But the NFL has been absolutely bananas. And as we speak, I am so upset about the Pittsburgh Steelers-Cleveland Browns game. Wow. You know why I hate that? I I really don't care. I mean, I like Mike Tomlin. I like the Steelers. And I'm rooting for that organization generally. Contrary to what you may think after you listen to the last episode and what I said about me and Joe Green. But the Steelers lose last night to the Cleveland Browns. I don't care about that. What I care about is there was a fumble on the last play of the game 
on one of these sort of when you play Navy football, you you sort of uh, all of these laterals trying to make something happen on the final play where the Steelers were trailing by six points. It was going to take a miracle for them to score on a kickoff return, and they threw it around, and inevitably they fumbled, and it was recovered in the end zone, and that cost me money. I'm telling you, I was winning. I was winning. I was in the money until that play, and that was, of course, on DraftKings. Now, I don't want to sit here and whine about those results because ultimately you guys don't really care. I mean, although if I win a bunch of money – uh, we can ball out, and then I will have a podcast every day. But until then, yeah, you don't care about my day-to-day wins and losses. But I've been doing well. I've been doing okay. Not great. Not a, not a fabulous start. But speaking of that, Dallas Cowboys with a huge victory over Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I predict this. For more content, go to wavewordproductions.com. So I said it in a public forum. Cincinnati would not win that division. They may not even make the playoffs. I'm telling you, this is not, it's not an automatic sort of thing. Even with the talent of Joe Burrow and the additions on the offensive line and Jamar Chase and all of that stuff, it's not promised. And they're off to an 0-2 start. The Raiders 0-2. Man, it's the Titans 0-2 and look bad. But the team, the bully on the block are the Buffalo Bills. But the game of the season probably has already taken place when you look at the game between the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. And, you know, I'm reluctant to get on that because Reggie Brown loves his Miami Dolphins. But he was right. Tua Tungavailoa is balling out. I don't know what happened to the Ravens' defense, but I can tell you this. They have speed everywhere on that offense. I mean, you talk about Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, both of those guys, 11 catches, 170 yards for one, 191 for the other, two touchdowns for both. And by the way, both of those guys are D-nights. We had that segment coming up a little bit later on. Not who was just nice, but who was D-nice. So that's coming up. But just uh, incredible. 28 points in the fourth quarter. He threw for six touchdowns, 469 yards, Man, I don't, I'm not saying that he's arrived, but I'm saying he balled out. So did his a former teammate at Alabama, Jalen Hurts. Man, how about those Eagles? Fly, Eagles fly. They are balling out as well. Jalen Hurts is looking great. And I tell you what, I'm rooting so much for him. He's from the greater Houston area, played at what, Channel View. His brother played at Texas Southern, so I did get a chance to cover his brother. But, yeah. He is doing well, and you know that Philadelphia is not a welcoming place, and they have given him nothing but grief. But I will tell you this, he's a a great young man in how he conducts himself, how he moves, what he says, what he doesn't say, and I'm glad for his success. So it's so much going on in the NFL. I could talk about the NFL for another hour. I won't. Instead, I'm going to take a brief time out, come back, give you some sports E, and I'm going to tell you not only who was nice, but who was be nice. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages six weeks to five years old. 
For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit BrighterBrainsLearningCenter.org. It's Shelly Wade and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. to the Alamo City this weekend. The Texas Southern Tigers coming off a huge win over Southern 24-0. Take on the UTSA Roadrunners. Man, last week was amazing. I tell you what, Dallas loves Texas Southern. I mean, a million dollars in scholarship money. The Alumni Association up in the Metroplex did their thing from North Texas and Oklahoma. And the comeback with the victory, beating Coach Dooley, who was formerly a Prairie View, a big, big thing because you know that Southern had this game circled. They wanted to avenge the loss from last season in the Arlington football showdown. Texas Southern wasn't having it. Andrew Body wasn't having it. Coach Clarence McKinney wasn't having it. That defensive front, Vermonte Pippins and Demontario Anderson and Tyler Martinez and Aikens. I mean, those guys played really well. Linebacker Tariq Cooper did work. You talk about the running backs, five different running backs ran the ball for Texas Southern. And again, this offense is starting to flow. Derrick Morton again with another big game. A.J. Bennett with a nice game as well. So all good in the hood at Texas Southern. We are enjoying life, and we take our show on the road for the fourth weekend in a row. So I've been on the go every weekend. It was Dallas twice. It was Prairie View and now San Antonio. And I still have to go to Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And I still have to go to Lorman, Mississippi. And I have to go to Huntsville, Alabama. So, yeah, I'm racking up the miles this fall. But I love it. Love the opportunity to be doing just that. Now, let's get into a segment with our very own Life on Lock. This is a segment that we call Sports E. This week in sports, entertainment. Hey, 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 everybody. I hope your day is going well and just got a little better now that you're listening to Sports E with Life Unlocked. So we all know that a huge part of being a sports fan is memorabilia and timeless sports paraphernalia. Well, the question is, though, how much would you be willing to spend? Well, it looks like some fans would be willing to spend millions, $10 million to be exact. Apparently, a jersey worn by Michael Jordan during game one of the 1998 finals went up for auction on September Six, and the final sale ended with a staggering number of $10,091,000, which is $7 million more than the predicted sale amount and also breaks the record for most ever for a basketball jersey, most ever for any game-worn sports memorabilia, and the most ever paid for an MJ item. Not only that, but a pair of ticket stubs for a 1984 Bulls game back when Jordan first made an appearance have just hit the auction and experts predict that they can go for as high as two hundred dollars to $300,000. So we'll see how much they go for. I mean, who knows, okay? And speaking of NBA moneymakers, former 76ers owner Michael Rubin just spent $70 million on a new mansion in L.A. that sits right on land that was once owned by former President Ronald Reagan. Reports show that the pad is located
located in Hollywood Hills with seven bedrooms, 12 bathrooms, and a laundry list of amenities. Now me, I'm personally already kind of a homebody by nature, but I don't know about y'all, but with a place like that, I would never leave. Like I would never go anywhere, bring everything to my house. <laughs> but listen, the NBA world hasn't already just been spending just the cash, okay? They've also been hitting the runway. NBA star Kyle Kuzma recently had the internet buzzing as the 6'9 Washington Wizards forward was spotted wearing some interesting fashions on the runway for Puma alongside his supermodel girlfriend, Winnie Harlow. And he actually did a really, really good job. And you know, we love a multifaceted athlete. And while Kuzma is getting suited for the runway, David Beckham is getting dressed to wait in line to pay his respects to the queen. Now, as we all know, Queen Elizabeth II died on September 8th and many public figures around the world from athletes to actresses have been paying their respects and their tributes. Now, David Beckham dressed to the nines this past week to pay his respects and showed up as early as 2 a.m. in hopes of avoiding a massive crowd. But it seems like everybody had the same idea because there was already a huge line by the time he arrived. Now, it's been estimated that it could take up to 14 hours to see the queen, but Beckham made it very clear that he didn't mind spending the time to make sure he got a glimpse of it all. And to get a glimpse of more of your favorite athletes and entertainment, please be sure to meet me right here next week for more of all the inside scoop on Sports E. Want to thank Life on Lock, and we want your take on her takes. So give us a call, 832-941-6614. Tell us what you think or make a suggestion. Or if you have inquiries, you may have uh, some Nia Long questions. Is she back on the market suddenly, unexpectedly? I don't know. Maybe maybe Life on Lock will have a story about that next time. But let's keep this thing flowing because I give my stamp of approval to guys who are nice, usually in the NFL. But, I mean, it doesn't have to be the NFL. But I give my stamp of approval by telling you not only who was nice, but who was D-nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. When you talk about players who were D-nice, let's start with Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. He told the world, I'm coming out. Tua was in a battle with Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, but he beat the hell out of the Ravens defense, throwing for 469 yards and six touchdowns on 36 of 50 passing, and he was D-nice. Look, it's hard to be nice when you lose, but Lamar Jackson was the He was doing that Lamar Jackson thing, going 21 for 29 for 318 yards and three touchdowns passing. And on top of that, he ran for another 119 yards and a touchdown. He can't help that his defense was garbage, but he was D-nice. We got to get back on those Dolphins because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle were out there twinning. The receivers both had huge days with 11 catches and two touchdowns each. Hill had 190 yards receiving and Jalen Waddle 171 yards and both were D-nice. Talking about a blast from the past, New York Jets quarterback Joe Flacco usually backs up Zach Wilson, but he stepped in and stepped up, leading the Jets to a shocking 31-30 victory over the Cleveland Browns. Flacco was 26 of 44 for 307 yards passing with four touchdowns, and he was D-nice. When you talk about teams who were D-nice, the AFC love continues. Let's continue to talk about those New York Jets because the Cleveland Browns took a 30-17 lead in that game 
game with 155 remaining when Joe Flacco led a touchdown drive and then the J-E-T-S Jets 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 recovered the onside kick and Joe Flacco did it again. They went in for the score and they stole a victory from the Cleveland Browns. Boy, were they D-nice. The Dallas Cowboys. Woo! The Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys were left for dead like J.R. Ewing when Dak Prescott was hurt in the season opener. But just like J.R., the Cowboys surprised everyone by beating everybody's bay, the Cincinnati Bengals, 20-17. The Cowboys defense balled out and held Joe Burrow to 254 yards and had six sacks and did their thing. They were D-nice. Jacksonville is like a far outpost in the NFL, but if the Indianapolis Colts are Superman, and clearly they aren't, the Jaguars are kryptonite. The Jacksonville Jaguars already got Carson Wentz banished to Washington after eliminating the Colts from the playoffs last season. This time they made Matty Ice look ancient. The Jags intercepted Ryan three times en route to a 24-0 shutout. They were D-nice. Finally, the Arizona Cardinals needed late-game Kyler Murray witchcraft and an overtime scoop and score to defeat the Las Vegas Raiders 29-23. Murray led two touchdown drives and converted two two-point conversions, including an amazing score with all zeros on the clock to end regulation. The Cardinals win in OT, and the Cardinals and all of these teams and all of these players were D-Nice. Now, I know that there were teams and players that I did not recognize, Stefan Diggs for one, but if I didn't and you want that recognition, and I may start to post this in the Sports Talk with Devin Way group on Facebook, give me those suggestions before I do the next D-Nice segment. So, again, have fun with that. Hopefully you like that. Going to take a time out, come back on the other side. We still have our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and Reggie Brown with a You Can't Trust Some segment. And on the Mono Award, all that and more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. To have your comments heard, call 832 941 6614. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Sweet time. 
resident DJ, DJ Anarchy doing his thing. Check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram. That's my guy. And you need to check him out. It's a vibe. You definitely want to get into what he's doing because he does it big and he does it well. So with that, uh, before I get into Reggie Brown, want to talk a little bit about the Texans. Texans on the road, 0-1-1. And Broncos were not impressive. Okay, and maybe this is a boxing analogy for those of you who are really fight fans and, and you know uh, the fight game a little bit. So uh, you have certain fighters that just make you look bad. There are certain fighters that are, you can't knock them out. They won't make for an exciting fight, and they're not easy to get out of there. You won't have much, uh, many highlights from that film. That fight will not be a highlight fight. And that's what it is with the Houston Texans. That is a team where there aren't a lot of highlights if you're in the, the opponent. You may get out of there with a victory, but you're not going to just uh, you know show them up in a major way, and they're going to ugly up the game with defense and doing whatever it is they like to do on offense. Now, you talk about an ugly game coming up Sunday. They take on the Chicago Bears. That is not the game of the week. You, The game of the week, you want to see Miami and Buffalo. The bullies on the block. Let's see what happens with Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins at Buffalo. That is going to be a whole lot of fun. But there are other games, and we'll talk a little bit about that with Reggie Brown. But let me say this, and I want you to get this pronunciation correct. Now, Reggie Brown's new segment is called, and it premiered last episode. So if you didn't catch it last time, go back and check that out. So it's not you can't trust him. It's you can't trust him. So you got to leave the T off. Okay, that's deliberate. You can't trust him. <laughs> that's just how we roll. So don't say you can't trust him, although we mix that in a little bit. But essentially, it's you can't trust him. So here's, uh, here's Reggie Brown and some NFL talk in a you can't trust him. And on the other side, the Lamont Award. Our guy, the Hall of Famer. I guess technically you are already a Hall of Famer at Alabama State happening this week. You are a Hornet Hall of Famer. Congratulations on the recognition, and you will forever be etched in the memory of those in Hornet Nation. Uh, How's it feel to be a Hall of Famer? Well, it's certainly humbling, and thanks for having me on the show again, and glad to be back with the special teams, but it's certainly humbling, and the one thing you realize is that it's not just about you. You know, my parents, my brothers and sisters, my teammates, my friends, teachers uh, along the way, coaches that supported me. And uh, it's an unreal feeling and something that I could never imagine. And I'm just so thankful to God that he has saw fit to allow me to accomplish these things. And it's so interesting, like how these things play out because you could have went to other schools you, your path could have went an entirely different way but yet you picked alabama state and you know again it's paid off so much it, it just brings back to memory how crucial those decisions are for 18 year olds deciding where they're going to go to school what led you to alabama state what was the key that got you there well, quite frankly, I wasn't led to Alabama State. I was told by my daddy I was going to Alabama State. <laughs> I, I came home one day. I was being recruited by some D1 mid, mid-majors, and the coach uh, from Alabama State came to my house and talked to my dad, and his dad was a playground legend in Miami, and he was a little league coach, and he did a lot for the community, and his son 
was in Alabama State and came to my daddy and told my daddy he was going to make sure I graduated and make sure I go to church. And I came home and my daddy said, I won't talk no more coaches. You're going to Alabama State. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I had never heard of it, but that was it. And uh, the rest is history. Man, well, it has been an all-around great week for you and your Miami Dolphins. I mean, it pales in comparison to the induction into the Hall of Fame, but – for you as a Dolphins fan leading the Dolphin Twitter nation, this is a big, big week. How about that game? I even texted you during the game, and I hate to interrupt you during the Miami game, but I had to text you, man, and this was even before the game winner. Talk a little bit about what you saw Sunday with the massive comeback by the Dolphins over the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I think it proves two things. One, that Tua is the guy. And um, I never had any doubt, but I think there's a lot of doubt in the nation. So we know now we have a franchise quarterback. And then I think number two, it's a lesson for all of us in resiliency that you don't give up. You don't drop your head. You keep fighting. You keep executing. You keep doing the things that you know are right. And eventually good things are going to happen for you. So, man, I was screaming. The neighbors was trying to find out what was going on. And my wife was trying to do something and told me to be quiet. And I told her to get out and all of that. It was NFL all over again. Like, whatever happens um, during the game just stays within the parameters of the game, right? Man, and you know, if you remember, I've been on the other side of a comeback like that. Oh, yeah. I don't uh, against about the. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said, I don't want to talk about that one. That one hurts me too bad. Yeah, man. I've been on the other side, and I know the pain for a defeat like that. And then, uh, but to see the Dolphins fight back and Mike McDaniels to assert himself as a. NFL coach and a mastermind was just amazing to watch. Well, let's talk about how it happened. I mean, obviously, man, Lamar was doing Lamar things, and he ran for 119 yards, threw for three touchdowns. He was rolling. He This was his, like, pay me game. This is what you – this is the game you circle and say, hey, this is why you pay this guy. How were the Dolphins able to come back against the Ravens in that situation? Well, I think that – First, the Dolphins weren't playing bad in the first half. They had had some bad things happen to them. A tip ball turns into an interception, and then Tua in the frustration throw threw it deep, thought the ball was going out. Guy makes a great play. And so I still thought that we had a chance even when the score was 28-7. to But then when you get Cheetah and you get Waddle, start making plays, and then Chase Edmond makes some plays, and Tua was dynamic in the second half. I mean, he went 21 for 24 in the second half, you know, in the four, and mainly in the fourth quarter. I think he only missed one pass in the fourth quarter. I mean, just amazing, amazing. And, and then the defense stepped up. You know, they had been getting beat down pretty bad for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, you know, they only gave up three points. So it was a total team effort, man. Well, you know, you look at that Ravens defense, and, you know, they're pretty much known as a, a defensive stalwart. They, they're always, you know, among the top teams defensively, and you guys slice through them. But life didn't get <laughs> easier for you guys. Big game coming up this weekend for the Dolphins. How do you see that one? Because that is uh, quite the challenge these days. Well, we're going to really see where we're at, you know, the Baltimore game was a, a miracle game, if you will. You know, we fight back. And this week, you're going to have to play full courts. You're not coming back and beating Buffalo. And we're going to find out, you know, if we're a, a real contender. I think we're a playoff team either way. But if you beat Buffalo, you're a real contender for the Super Bowl. 
Well, I mean, it's still early. You got to you got to play them twice. I mean, that division is something else. And then you look at the start by the, the AFC South. I mean, again, we're only a couple games in, but man, it looks like wow. 2-0 is looking really, really good at this point because so many guys, top teams, so many guys uh, counted on Indy and Tennessee to play better. And also the Chargers are 1-1. One one. So, you know, there are a lot of teams out there that you would have assumed would be 2-0. and And then you look at like a team like the Raiders, another team that would be competing for like wild card spots. And you're like, man. So, yeah, a great start for the Dolphins. So a lot has gone on in the NFL over the weekend. Some great comebacks and we're going to get into that with the, the Ken Trustum segment in just a moment. But what else stood out to you around the NFL? I think exactly what you said, man, the great comebacks, man. You just can't give up. You can't stop fighting. And then if you're on the other side, you can't take your foot off the gas. I mean, you think about the Arizona game, you know, Oakland has it. And, and all of a sudden, you know, a fumble and he takes it all the way back and they win the game. So this year is proven the fact that you cannot quit. You just keep fighting to the final whistle blows and hopefully you're on the winning side. Now, I know this is not a part of the segment we're going to do, but I want to ask you, who is the best of the winless teams? The 0-1-1 Indianapolis Colts, the 0-2 Tennessee Titans, or the 0-2 Las Vegas Raiders. Can any of those three teams rebound? I mean, it's only a couple games, but last year, no team that went 0-2 went to the playoffs. Do you see one of these three emerging? Because somebody has to win the AFC South. It won't be Jacksonville or the Texans. So which one of these three teams will step up, in your opinion? Well, I think that, you know, the Raiders are not in the South, but I think that they probably have the best chance. I mean, they got Devontae Adams and Waller. They got stacked on defense. And so I think that if McDaniel can get that together over there, they should compete. But again, they're out there in the West, man, and it's going to be tough. I don't know what to say about Tennessee. You know, I didn't think that losing Brown was such a big deal. I mean, he's a phenomenal receiver, but you think that Derrick Henry can run and you think they'll do enough in the running game and, and Tannehill can make some timely passes, they'll be all right. But, man, they look really, really bad. And then what he had less than 50 yards last week, and so they got to get that running game going quick. What about Indianapolis? Well, I think Matt Ryan is a is a proven NFL quarterback, and uh, I think that Taylor at running back is a stud. You know, the best, if not one of the best, running backs in the league, and so they have an opportunity as well to get better. But they got to get it going. You know, I I compare NFL season to like the eight eighty. It ain't a sprint. But you ain't got long. Yeah, <laughs> you sure don't have long. And like I said, and I was referencing two of those three teams, like you said, were in the AFC South. Jacksonville leads the division. Can you believe what? that? The Jacksonville Jaguars lead the AFC South. It, it was incredible. And then there was a stat that the Detroit Lions, the New York Giants, and the New York Jets have not won a game on the same day in like 3,000 days or something um, crazy like that. So, yeah, it's been a, a bizarro year so far, but it's been extremely interesting. But, you know, you know what there's some teams you can trust and some teams you can't trust them you can't trust them. he simply can't be trusted can't there's trust no him. way you can't, can't trust, trust him. him can't trust him 
So here we are again. This is your segment. Let's talk about some teams and situations. Can you trust them or you can't trust them? Let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're talking about two former Alabama quarterbacks, Tua Tungavailoa and Jalen Hurts on the same team. Both of those guys look tremendous in week two. The Philadelphia Eagles leading that division along with the New York Giants. Don't want to throw them under the bus. But can you trust the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC East or you can't trust them. You can trust the Eagles, man. Trust and, and the reason why I say them is because say that is because number one, they got a dual threat quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who's played in some pretty big games in college in Oklahoma and Alabama. And then uh, we we alluded to Brown earlier. You know, he's a, uh, a number one receiver, and then they have Smith. And so they have a really good uh, passing offense and with, with Jalen running that. And then the defense is stout. And I just don't see the Cowboys being able to stick with them. And, you know, the commanders and Giants, I think they'll trail off. You know, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into what they're doing. They don't have the athletes. So I think we can emphatically say we trust the Eagles. So what do you mean? You just you just dismissed the Cowboys to, to compete for that division? I'm just asking. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. The number one, I told you about them Cowboys. You can't trust <laughs> them automatically. So we can we can exclude them. I mean, Jerry gonna find a way to jack it up. Dak gonna find a way to throw an interception. Zeke gonna find a way to get hurt when they need him. And so. You can't trust them, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals. They were very close to uh, going 0-2 on the season, but they go into Las Vegas. What a miraculous comeback in the fourth quarter. You're talking about comebacks by the Cardinals and the the Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys held on to a lead there in that situation. But talk a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals after that miraculous comeback and that witchcraft by Kyler Murray. Can you trust the Arizona Cardinals or you can't trust them? You can't trust them. I think Kyler Murray is a dynamic talent, but he got to play that way for four quarters and he got to be consistent. And, you know, I don't think they have the firepower offensively. Hopkins is out for six weeks and uh, they got to hold on till he get there. There's some missing pieces. They've lost some pieces on offense. Connor didn't do a great job. He didn't have a bad game, but the running game was kind of suspect. And ultimately, I think San Francisco is going to probably come up and uh, do some things in that division and, Ultimately, though I want to lean, you can trust them, and you can't trust them. Finally, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. One and one so far, of course, dominated by the Buffalo Bills in week one, 31-10. They came back and really struggled and really almost lost that game to the Atlanta Falcons, who, who came back themselves on the efforts of Marcus Mariota. But they won that one, 31-27. Is it still the Super Bowl hangover, or will they right the ship? And Or is this what the future will look like? Can you trust the Rams? or you can't trust them? Oh, you can trust them. Trust I think what you said is exactly right. The Super Bowl hangover is real, and it takes, uh, you know, you go to the Super Bowl, you, you're partying, you get um, endorsements, you get 
parades, you get all of this stuff, and, and all of that goes into the training cycle where you're not training like you used to, but they have championship pedigree and they got championship players. You know, Donald is going to be dominant. I think Matthew Stafford is a good enough quarterback. You know, I wouldn't say he's top five, but I would say he's top ten, and um, eventually Sean McVay going to get that together, and they'll be back competing. I don't necessarily see Super Bowl, but I see playoffs. Well, I tell you what, man, this has been a fascinating couple of weeks of NFL football. I mean, it's just been a great start to the season. When you talk about the kind of games we've seen, the kind of comebacks, the teams that are coming from out of nowhere, when you talk a little bit about the New York Giants 2-0, when you talk about Detroit, when you talk about Joe Flacco with the big comeback victory. I didn't mention them. I mean, what is what's going on in the NFL? I mean, how entertaining has uh, the first two weeks of this season been? Well, I think the NFL different from any other sports is that you don't know what's going to happen. You can think you know from week to week, but from week to week, you can be dead wrong. And so this is just what happens in the NFL every year. We think we know the playoff teams and we think we know the seller teams. And then all of a sudden we look up and the Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year and the Rams were in the Super Bowl. And this year I, I suspect they're going to beat some teams, mainly the Miami Dolphins, that find themselves right back in the Super Bowl and we're going to say, wow. <laughs> Well, that's quite the pick. I mean, let me ask you about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, they won a dogfight. I mean, people will look at the final score. If you didn't see that game, you would think, oh, man, that's Tom Brady being Tom Brady. But them Saints were all about the business through the first three quarters. Then in the final quarter, James sort of did his thing. You had Lattimore and Mike. Well, Mike Evans get uh, both of those guys got ejected, Lattimore and Evans. Evans got suspended for a game. What do you make of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, I think ultimately the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go as far as Tom Brady can take them. And, uh, you know, he has some situations going on in his personal life, and hopefully he gets that straightened out. You know, those kind of things wear on you. You know, he's a human. He he looks like uh, Superman on the football field. But those personal things that go on can serve to be a kryptonite. So hopefully – he gets those things together in his personal life, and then the Tampa Bay will be just fine. Well, hey, with that, I know we got to let you get out of here. You you ought to be heading to Montgomery, Alabama here soon. Big game versus Prairie View. How do you see that matchup uh, for your alma mater? Too easy, man. Too, too easy? easy? Oh, okay. Too easy. Too easy. Well, you know, the Tigers beat Southern last weekend, 24 yeah. nothing on the road, you know. Yeah. We'll, well see. I say that, that it, it, it's like the swag uh, is turning out just like the NFL. I mean, you you go, you got to play the game. You can't just show up and they give you the, the final score. You got to go and you got to play and you got to take it. And uh, that's what we're seeing in the swag. But ultimately, I think that Alabama State is going to do just that. Take it. How you doing with the fantasy and the picks? Because I I, I, I haven't looked. I know I'm at the top, so it's hard for me to look down at the bottom at you guys in the pick them all. Where are you in that? How you how have you well, been picking if, again? If, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm 2-0 and oh, and at the least 1-1. One and one. I beat the brakes off somebody last week. My team is really getting going. Made me a couple of uh, trades this week, so we're going to be good. Okay, so on the fantasy, you doing good. What about with the picks? On the pick'em side, are you picking with me and Haywood and all of us? Nah, I haven't. I'm gonna go ahead and do it this week. I gave y'all the head start. I run. <laughs> yeah, you might be able to run Haywood down the way he's picking. 
So, <laughs> hey, man, so congratulations again. So excited about your induction. It should be a tremendous, unforgettable weekend. And uh, I, I'm just really excited for you guys, both of you guys, Eddie and, of course, uh, with him leading the way, your boy, your guy, uh, your friend, our friend. And uh, he, for him to be the head coach and you to be in the Hall of Fame, could you have ever imagined that when you guys were running around the campus there in Montgomery? Man, it's crazy. Eddie was my first roommate at Alabama State, and I remember clearly one night uh, being in the room after practice, and we were just laying in the bed and talking, and we said, what if both of us went to the same NFL team? And now we not only went to the same NFL team, not only have we been best friends throughout the years, but we're both going into the Hall of Fame at the same time, and that's just a blessing. And um, I'm so thankful to God for him being my friend and a mentor and a confidant, and I'm super, super excited for him as well. Well, like I said, uh, we have some business to handle in UT at UTSA, but I'll see both of you guys. I don't know if you – are we doing dinner or something next Friday the, the, oh, on yeah. the eve of the game? Oh, yeah, you got to come hang out with the Hornet Nation um, Friday night before the game. We'll feed you and, <laughs> and, and do all of that. You'll be fine. You'll be in safe territory. We won't treat you like an enemy on Friday night. Okay. Saturday, different story, though, right? <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, man, and we look forward to visiting with you again. Take care, and I love the special teams. Hey, man, good stuff always. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. One thing, Reggie Brown is always, and you know what? He is such a nice guy, and he let me go on and on about the induction ceremony being this weekend. It's not this weekend. I know that he had meetings for the Hall of Fame, and I thought that they were just you know, putting a bow on it, and they were cleaning up things for the big weekend. But no, it's the weekend that they play FAMU. So it's not this weekend, but Reggie was nice enough to let me ramble on about this weekend being the induction weekend, and it clearly isn't. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big the Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, let me say this. My entire life, I've been fascinated by Colts. How did it happen? How did these things come to be? Different aspects of different cults, whether it's uh, Jim Jones or the tennis shoe people who wanted to go to outer space in California or MAGA. Like, how do these things happen? But there's no more enigmatic cult than the Dallas Cowboys cult. Because I just do not understand how they think and how strong they believe in this team. I say it all the time. I wish I loved something in life the way these Cowboy fans love the Dallas Cowboys. So let's get to the, the cult leader, as it were. This is from an ESPN article about Jerry Jones. Quote, Owner and general manager Jerry Jones wants Cooper Rush to make life difficult for the Dallas Cowboys. He wants Rush, the backup quarterback, to play so well that there would be controversy as to whether Dak Prescott would assume the starting role once he is healthy enough to play after undergoing right thumb surgery last week, end quote. Now, here is the quote from Jerry Jones. Quote, of course I would. 
Of course. That means we'd have won, Jones said. If he comes in there and plays as well as Prescott played, Rush played that well over these next games ahead, I'd walk to New York to get that, end quote. So on the surface, I get what he's saying. I understand what he's talking about. He essentially saying that, hey, we want to win no matter who the quarterback is. And if he plays so well that we win these games, hey, I welcome the competition at quarterback. Except you don't. You need Dak Prescott to be successful because you are paying him an ass low worth of money and you have to have that guy be successful. Otherwise, your salary cap will take huge hits and it would disrupt this team and your ability to add any pieces to this already um, okay team. So I don't understand why you welcome a controversy. What you should say is, look, Dak is our guy, but we, of course we want Cooper Rush to play well. That's why we pay him. He is a guy that we depend on to step up when our guy can't go. That's what you say, and it's over with. But you welcome a controversy? Only Jerry Jones would welcome a controversy. And you know one is coming if Cooper Rush wins another game. Only this because you beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But either way, I don't think this is a playoff team. And if they are, it'll only be because of Dak Prescott. So Jerry Jones, for you inviting trouble into your life and into your locker room and into your franchise, you are a Big dummy. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) So again, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys steal headlines when they're just a so-so Sally Rand football team. I had a football coach used to say that. A so-so Sally Rand football team. That's all they are. But yet they steal headlines and they'll continue to do so. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why we talk so much about the Dallas Cowboys. But nonetheless, that conversation ends now. But before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to thank Reggie Brown, want to thank Life on Lock, want to thank our sponsors, Cobank Homes and Brighter Brains, want to thank our DJ, DJ Anarchy, want to thank you guys. Give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614, 832-941-6614. In addition to that, tweet me at Wade's Word. Of course, join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. And if you can't remember any of that, Please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.